Now, in a moment, we're going to come to what actually is the final part of the teaching series, Absolutes, which we've been running on Sunday mornings, kind of in tandem with our midweek uh, teaching, the Foundations course, which th this is the final week during this week of the Foundations course uh, as well. And a um, couple of things coming up I want to make you aware of. Next Sunday... Mike and Ginny Caraleo and our friends from the 180 Center are going to be down here with us. And they will be sharing in our service next Sunday morning. Okay? Looking forward to seeing them. Looking forward to hearing the testimonies of changed lives and to hear how the ministry there is developed. That's next Sunday. The Sunday after that, which is Thanksgiving weekend, a good long-standing friend of, of ours, Jill and my friend, Ian Jennings from England is going to be here. Ian's been here before. He's, he spoke in person, and he spoke to us via video as well. And Ian's going to come spend Thanksgiving with us. And so I said, hey, that's great. Can you preach on Sunday? Because I want to get the good of it while he's here. He's a great speaker and just a wonderful guy. So Ian is going to be preaching that following Sunday. Okay, now we're into December. Are you with me? We are, believe it or not. The Sunday after that, we're into September. No, December. And December means we will be lighting the Genesis Christmas tree that Sunday. And there will be a visitor from the North Pole who will be hosting breakfast that Sunday morning as well. So we're going to kick off Christmas the first Sunday in December, and that's going to be a great time. By the way, just thinking forward If you're planning your Christmas time, here's what we're going to be doing. Christmas Day hits on a Sunday this year. What we're going to be doing is this, two Christmas Eve services on the Saturday. That is good. They are going to be early services, three o'clock since it's a Saturday, and 4.30. And then there will be no services here on Christmas Day, okay? So Christmas Eve, three o'clock, 4.30. Hope that's going to work around many of your schedules, but also, whole idea around Christmas, it's a great time to invite family and friends and get them to come. So we're getting into that season now, thoroughly looking forward to it. I love Christmas. It's the shining light of winter, the most miserable season in the year. And uh, Sorry, I was made for warmer climates. <laughs> It's like, but there's Christmas right there to brighten it up. So that's the plan going forward. So today we're going to come to the last part of our series, which we call Absolutes. You know, when I was a kid, we lived quite near to the, um, quite, quite near to, to, the, uh, to the sea, to the shore, to some beautiful beach resorts. And one of the things my mother would do regularly through the summer break was to, she'd take all of us kids to the beach. My grandfather worked for the railroad. We didn't own a car, but my grandfather worked for the railroad. She had passes to get on the train. So she used to take us all, uh, four of us, um, off to the beach on a regular basis. In fact, we were at the beach so much that um, one time, a woman came across to my mother, which was sitting at the beach, pointed to my brother and I, and, and this is kind of, I'm quoting it in 50s verbiage. She said, did you adopt those two African boys? Because we were, we, we did. We got so dark in the summer from, uh, from, from being in the sun 
that, that she, re she really thought that. We loved it. And we'd go there. We'd arrive at the beach. And we couldn't get into the, into the sea quick enough. We spent as much time as we possibly could. Probably the whole of the day in the sea. Except for that 45 minutes. It was a scientific fact, according to my mother, that if you went swimming within 45 minutes of eating your lunch, you would drown. Right? And, and she, she hammered that home to us. And, and it would be the most torturous 45 minutes of the day. What's the time, Mom? What's the time, Mom? What's the time, Mom? It was the most, it was the most, and she stuck rigidly to it because 46 minutes and you were safe. 44 minutes and you die. Like, this, you know, there's, there's no question about it. So the one thing my brother and I used to often do during that 45 minutes of purgatory was we would, we, we would go fairly near the edge of the sea and we would build as magnificent a sandcastle as we could and make it ornate as we could within the given time. And it helped these torturous moments to pass. And then as we were given the all clear, we'd go back in the water and see our incredible architectural genius be totally destroyed by the waves. Of course it did. <laughs> of course it did. Because apart from any other reason, it had no foundation. And your faith and mine will be destroyed unless we ensure that it's built on a solid foundation. That's why we've been doing our teachings this fall both during the week and on Sundays. That's why we say there are certain things that are absolutes to us. Because if you believe everything, in the end it means you believe nothing. There's got to be certain things that we say these are our non-negotiables, these are our absolutes. So on Sundays we've been going through some of those, and we've been doing it by going through our statement of beliefs, which is on our website. You'll find it there under the tab that says our story. And it's in sections. And I've gone through those sections. Uh, Charlotte talked to, um, took one of those sections the other week, what we believe about Jesus. I talked about what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Last week, I preached about what we believe about uh, heaven and hell and eternal destiny. And this week in our final part, I want to take the paragraph that says what we believe about the church. What we believe about the church. The outcome of union with Jesus is that all believers become members of his body, the church. There is one true church universal comprised of all those who acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord. I want to start at that point. That's the introductory statement. It's quite a long paragraph. When we put our faith in Christ, we become a part of what the New Testament calls the body of Christ. That is, we become part of his church, the church universal. One, one of the things I think that is quite miraculous about the church is, is that wherever you go, and you connect with a group of believers, you actually do feel connected. 
I, I, was, um, I was thinking as I was preparing this, and I did, I did my best kind of, I might have forgotten a couple of places, but to the best of my knowledge, I've preached in 20 different countries. So having preached in, worshipped in 20 different countries, I'm going to tell you this, it's a marvelous place to go to other places where their culture is different, where their lifestyles are totally different, where their language is different, and still start to praise the same God and realize you're part of this whole thing. And, and I love that. I love that. That is the church universal. It is God's church all around this world. The beauty is that as you and I are worshiping God here this Sunday morning, we have brothers and sisters, part of the same family of God, who are all around the world. People we will never meet until we get to heaven, but who are followers of Jesus, who are singing God's praise this Sunday, who are listening to God's Word being preached this Sunday, just like we are. What God is doing here at Genesis is remarkable, but it's only tiny in comparison to what God is doing worldwide. We get a glimpse of that in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 7. John describes what he saw in heaven, and he says this, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude no one could count, Listen to this, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It might be that sometimes in the place that you work, you find yourself as the only believer. You might find that in your family and in your home, that you're the only believer, and that sometimes you feel isolated. Sometimes you feel, I was going to say persecuted, but I'll use the word mildly, but you know what I mean, because of your faith. And I just want to remind you this morning, as a child of God, you are part of something that is so vast we can't really imagine or picture it. I want to remind you as a child of God, you might be the only follower of Jesus currently in your own home, but the fact is there are millions of people worldwide who are part of the same family of God that you are a part of all over the world. If, if, you were, if you were to look and see in 2022 wh which countries have the most believers, it would go something like this. Number one, the United States of America. Number two, Brazil. Number three, Mexico. Number four, Nigeria. Number five, the Philippines. Number six, Russia. But here's something I'm going to tell you. If you took the Christians as a percentage of population in the nations of the world, the United States of America wouldn't rate in the top 10. Now, I'm not saying that to put us down. I'm saying that, that 
So, so, so to kind of encourage you to realize that all over this world, there are, there are a lot of countries that are way more strongly Christian percentage than this country is. God has His family all over the world. And, and thank God, because the world, because the church is universal, there are no barriers of race or color or social status or political leaning even. God help us. There's only one thing that matters, is that we're the children of God. That matters. And when we become part of God's family, we become part of something bigger than we can imagine. Let me jump over to the next statement. It says this, under the watch care of pastors and other supportive leadership, this is talking about what we believe about the church, its members are to work together in love and unity, intent on one ultimate purpose of glorifying Jesus. The purpose of the church is that we work together in love and unity to glorify Jesus. So, how do we glorify Jesus? I'm glad you asked, because I got an answer for that one. How do we glorify Jesus? John 15 and verse 8. This is how my Father shows who He is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. Other translations say, this is how the Father is glorified. The Father is glorified. He says, Jesus is talking about us being like a vine. And He said, the Father is glorified when you produce grapes, and when you mature, the purpose of the church is to bring glory to God. We bring glory to God by producing fruit and by maturing. Both things. Both things. Some churches get really um, strung up and totally, totally sold out to you know, we, we've got to get to the point of maturing. We've got to teach people, train people, teach people, train people, teach people, train people, and, and, and that's it. But you, but you don't go mature. You get mature that way. Here's how you glorify the Father. It's what it says. It says you produce fruit and you mature. So you learn and you produce fruit. What's the fruit? Now, some of you are been in church for years, will have heard plenty of people say, well, the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. The book of Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, da-da-da-da. That's the fruit. That's the fruit we should produce. And I'll say, maybe. But let me give you my version. We're talking about a vine here. The fruit on a vine is grapes. See? Smart people come to this church. All right. That's it. That's it, right? Right? The fruit on a vine is a grape. And within the grape, there is the potential, the seed, to grow another vine, right? So the vine basically reproduces itself. That's maturity. That glorifies the Father. You know what glorifies the Father? It's not when you get a doctorate in theology, but feel free. No, that's good. I'm not against education and learning as much as we can. 
But the fact is this. If it's all information and knowledge and no outlet, you're going to blow up, right? There needs to be an outlet. You know what the outlet is? The outlet is I'm sharing my faith. I'm sharing my faith. I'm sowing good seed so that there is the potential for me to reproduce and influence others towards the kingdom. That's God's goal for the church. God's goal for the church is not we kind of close the doors and say, here we are, there's a fair crowd of us. This is really good. Let's make sure nobody disturbs it. We don't get anybody in here who's not like us. And, 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 and let's just set our course for heaven. No. No. The Father is glorified when we are fruitful. And every life that we impact to some degree for Jesus, and every person that we can leave a positive impression on for Christ, is the potential of fruit being born and that person coming into the life of God. God did not save us so that we'd be signed, sealed, delivered for heaven, everything's good, thanks. God saved us so that we could glorify Him by bearing a lot of fruit. Are you with me there? That's why the church exists. You may have heard me say before, the church exists for the good of those who are outside of it. Any of you ever heard that? Right? The Father is glorified when we bear much fruit. So two things God wants of us. One is we grow, we mature. That's why we do teach it. That's one side of it. But the other side of it is there have got to be outlets as well for what we know already of God. And there have got to be opportunities so that we can impact others for Jesus. And both of those happen best in community. In Psalm 1, it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, listen to this, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Spending our time connected to the right people will produce the right results. So one of the reasons we are totally convinced that church is part of the plan and the purpose of God is this. Church gives us family. Church gives us family. It gives us a specific local, definable group that we can identify with. So we, when we come to faith in Christ, we become part of the church worldwide. But what we are here is we are a local expression of the church. So Genesis is a chunk of the church or a small piece of the church worldwide. Colossians 2 verse 6 says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The Scripture says you need to continue to live in Christ, to continue to be built up in Christ. It's an ongoing thing. 
And God never intended us to make that journey alone. God gave us family around us, church family. You all know that way back in the beginning of creation, God saw everything that was good, and there was one thing he saw wasn't good. Genesis 2 says, The Lord said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper for him. Now, all you ladies know that already, right? It's not good for a man to be himself. Don't, don't, nudge, your, don't nudge your spouses. Just be nice. God says, no, good for me. God didn't make us for isolation. God did not make us to be alone. God made us for community. God made us for family. That's how we're wired. And that's true in so many aspects of life, but it's, it's particularly true in our spiritual journeys. God made us to be connected. God made us to be part of a church family. And, and, and that, that basically is what the local church, the individual church, is intended to be. It isn't just a building where the same people come and have service on a Sunday morning. That's not church. You can have a bundle of bricks, a stack of bricks, and you don't have a building. But if you've got a load of bricks that are really joined together, you've got a building there. And what God intended was that every individual church would be a group of people who were connected together and would be like family. And every church says they are it, but most churches struggle to get there and then to maintain it. Somebody, I forget who it was, forgive me, but last Sunday morning I was just standing before service just somewhere outside of the barn doors there and, and somebody said to me, what do you think when you look around here? And I looked around and I saw folks all over the place. Cafe tables were full and people were sitting, hanging out and talking. And there were groups of people out in that area who were standing around and just standing around and chatting. And there were tables over here that were full of people talking. I said, you know what I think when I look around this? I love it. Amen. I love it. Because, because you know what's happening? Community. Family was going on. I love it. And that's one of the great purposes of the church. So we have a physical family that we were born into. But God gives us a spiritual family that we choose to become a part of. We choose the family, the church family that we will belong to, but we need that and we need to be connected. God's safety net for us is family because family loves, family cares, family supports. That's such a key part of things. You know, I know, you know, breakfast is free and the music is rocking and the preacher's pretty good some weeks. Um, but, 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 but you know what? You know what excites me about Sunday mornings? You're here. I get to hang out with people that I like to be with. I get to spend time with people that I love. And, and that's what makes it so special. Church is family, not just a collection 
of individual. Church gives me family. I'll tell you one other thing as well. Church gives us partners. I didn't just say we're a dating agency and we can hook you up. That's not what I just said, okay? Okay? Church gives us partners. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9, it says this. Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. There are things that we can achieve as a church that would never happen if we were isolated. We can make a difference in so many ways that as individuals we could never do by ourselves. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 it says this, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So there are things that we can do as church family that we could never achieve as individuals. Today's kind of a, a particularly significant day probably to just to make reference to that because as Charlotte said, um, 24 of our folks got back from the Dominican Republic last night after an incredibly productive week. We can do things together that we could never do by ourselves. At home, we are gearing up this week in pantry to give out Thanksgiving baskets, turkeys, fixings to a lot of families who are in need. Next week, we're going to be actually serving, how many dinners at the moment, Ken? Over 200 Thanksgiving dinners we're going we're gonna to be serving to people next Thursday. Now, these are things we couldn't do as individuals by ourselves. But together, we are able to make an impact. Some of you sitting here now as, as, as parents, and you're sitting here, and your children are in our children's programs. And you know what? There's, there, there, obviously, the major, the major guidance in your children's life is what you give them as parents. But actually, we can add something to that, and we can support that through the ministries we have going here on a Sunday morning, through the ministry we have going on here on a Thursday night for the kids who are a bit older. So there are things we can do because we're together that add to or complement what we would be able to do as individuals. We're way more effective together. I believe in the church because together we can accomplish some unbelievable stuff. My timeline on Facebook was showing me this week that 10 years ago this week, some of you will remember this, we did a massive Sunday outreach in Mastic Beach after Sandy had gone through. And Mastic Beach was, uh, parts of it were devastated by Sandy. And we were down there the Sunday after Sandy hit. And we did a massive outreach. We had trucks with blankets and all kinds of stuff. We, we had, I don't know how many 
We, we had hundreds of pizzas we delivered to families. We, we had a children's play area so children could relax after a crazy few days. And, and, and we, we, served, uh, we served food and meals right there as well. And we did this huge outreach, which we could never do from an individual standpoint. But together, we can make a difference. Church gives me partners. And then church gives us support. Church gives us support. Now, as you all know, I'm British. British people don't need support. We're good. <laughs> we got it. We're okay. Just leave us alone. Right? That's, that, that's it. Please don't make a fuss, you Americans, dear Lord. Right? That's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how the Brits are wired. It's like, you know, the phrase is you keep a stiff upper lip. It's like. But the truth is there are times when we all need support. We all need support. We need people around us who are going to be there for us in the inevitable crises of life. When the doctor's given me bad news, I need people around me to support me. Not fix me, support me. When you're feeling alone, when your job just ended and you don't know which way to turn, when your wife just left and your world is in ruins, we need people in our lives. And I feel this one because I see it I, I, I see it on an ongoing basis, on a, on a regular basis. There are so many situations that come up in church family life that, that, that people never should have to go through alone. And thank God, they're not going through alone. We were not meant to face the crises of life by ourselves. So, so here's a question. But how connected are you? You see, for some of you, I painted the picture this morning of family here, connected here, doing stuff together, and yet there are doubtless some of you that have been coming perhaps for weeks or months or even longer, and you come in, someone says hello as you come in, you sit down, the service happens, and someone says goodbye to you at the door as you're leaving. And you may be listening and saying, yeah, well, that sounds great theory, Rog, but um, I'm not connected. Now, here's what I'm going to say. And um, if this is your first time here, I'm a nice guy, okay? <laughs> all right, please, everybody else, don't laugh at that. You've got to vouch for it, all right? Okay, I'm a nice guy. But, but one of the things I do, there's a great phrase in the New Testament. It's called speaking the truth in love, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a second to speak the truth in love. If you don't feel connected, what are you doing about it? What are you going to do about it? Okay, so now you're defensive and you're feeling, well, wh what am I meant to do about it? I'm glad you asked that. See, I could, I could, no, but I could pull a whole bunch of folks up on stage right now 
and, 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 and say to them, how did you get connected here? How did you get to know a few people? And, and you know what? I'm going to tell you what the overriding answer will be. I got involved. Right? If somebody said amen to that, that would have been really supportive. But, <laughs> but right, that's what, that's what folks would say. You, you know, they got, they got involved. They got, it, they got involved. And we do whatever we can. A couple of times a year, we have an event for folks that are new to our church to try to get to know you a little and, 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 and to try to share a bit with you. But, but, but the best way to get connected is to get involved. It, it, it really is. And, and in, in, in whatever way, and there are a whole ton of ways that you can get involved in life here. There really are. You know, we, we've got, you know, one of the things I love about our church is, 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 is I love the fact that, um, you know, our worship band does an absolutely fantastic job. They really do. They really do. But most of those, the, most of these folks never, I was going to say characters, sorry, Tom. Most, <laughs> most of these good people, uh, they, didn't, they didn't even know each other until they started playing in our band here. And they got connected. And then all the way around, really, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at the folks who were welcoming you at the door or inside here today or wherever else, one of the ways they've got a little bit more acquainted is they've done it by getting involved in serving with our welcome team. Or we could talk about the multiple aspects we have through our Grace Care outreaches where there are opportunities to get involved. And as you get involved, you're going to get connected. You don't get connected sitting behind someone's head and looking at the back of their head. There's got to be more to that. And you get connected as you get involved. And if you want to kind of know the next stage or step of that, then myself, Charlotte, Faith, Steve, who's our worship director, we'd be happy to, really happy to talk to you. Uh, because you know, something happens when you get connected. It's like, this isn't a boat I'm a passenger on anymore. I've got an oar and I'm making it happen. And you know what? That feels good. Yeah. It feels good when you're part of making it happen. And that's one of the ways you get connected. And when you're connected and people get to know you, you get support. And that's where you see the church at its best. In, in 1 Peter 3 verse 8, it says this, And now this word to all of you, you should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy towards each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. That's the plan. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. So that if one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. So 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope. So you'll all be together in this no one left out, no one left behind. I know you're already doing this, just keep on doing it. Amen. No one left out, no one 
left behind. I believe in church. We, I, I talked a lot about this a couple of months ago in September when we did our Back to Church Sunday. And uh, of course I believe in church. I, my, my, the, the focus of my whole life has been church. And I believe in it. I totally believe in church. And I believe that together we support each other, we help each other, we encourage each other, we reach out together, we make a difference in our world together, and the church is God's agent because the church is the hope of the world. If you woke up today and you looked at the news and you were unhappy about the way election results are working out, I've got to tell you something, Washington is not the hope of the world. If you woke up today, If you woke up today and you were deliriously happy about the election results, I want to tell you, Washington is not the hope of the world. It's not. It's not. Politicians aren't the hope of the world. Jesus is. And, the, and, 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 and Jesus has chosen that with the, the good news should be declared to the world through the church. The church is the hope of the world. And here's what I want to tell you. Five days after the election's over, the church is still here. We're still going. We're still moving forward. We're going to keep moving forward. Keep your focus on the things that really matter. Don't let the things that are of lesser importance become big things in your mind, but keep your heart on this. Jesus loved the church. Jesus died for the church, and we are privileged to be part of his church, and we are his agents for change in this world. It's up to us. So, so three things in conclusion. Number one, listen, folks, value your church. Value your church. It's not perfect because you're here. <laughs> it's not perfect because I'm here. But it's our church. Value your church. Be committed to your church. Be committed in any and every way you can. Be a part of the life of your church. And invest in your church, your time, your talents, your finances. Invest in what means a lot to you and matters to you. We believe in the church, and I thank God for this church. Let's stand and pray together.